Welcome to the Rider Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice chianti. And Larry Korea. Sometimes a shark looks right at you, right into your eyes. And the thing about a shark is he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, he doesn't even seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then, ah, then you hear the terrible high pitch screaming. Today's episode, Elements of Horror. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rider Dojo, everybody. That one was oh, for Steve. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, Larry, it's October. You know, you know what October means. It's the Halloween episode. Halloween episodes, baby. People are going to be drinking a lot during this episode. I'm so the Rider sorry. Dojo drinking game. Okay. So, today's episode, uh, I want to talk about the elements of horror for a bunch of different reasons. And um, I want to preface this by saying, uh, if you... So, so at LibertyCon this year, I gave a presentation on this, on the elements of horror. Um, it was opposite um, a whole bunch of important panels. And so like, like <laughs> only like 20 or 30 people came to the to the panel. Don't you love when they put you like against David Weber or something? Yeah, this, this was like the, the first night, like all of the like, like, like no crap there I was panels oh, and stuff dude, like that. Yeah, those are great. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get yeah, nobody. Don't feel bad. Anyway. It was interesting, right? It was it was a good experience. The people there, we, we had a great conversation and time. Um, I think I went for like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Elements of horror. Now, why, why the elements of horror and not just horror? Well, because horror itself, just from a straight up business perspective, kind of doesn't sell very well. Yeah, it's one of those, it's, it's a genre that was huge for a lot of Massive. years. Massive. And then it just kind of tapered off. And, yeah. And split off into a few different things. Mm-hmm. Paranormal romance, urban fantasy, things like that. Now, unless your last name is King or your last name should be King, but you're hiding it. Um, <laughs> you know, in general, um, horror doesn't doesn't sell. It's actually, it's it's pretty silent. And there's there's only a few people that, that actually make really, really good money at it. Always exceptions, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Point is, whether or not that, whether or not you, you actually want to write straight up horror or you just want to kind of elevate the stakes in your stories, the elements of what are in horror stories are the things that you can take no matter what genre you want to write in. Now we've always, we, we talked about this before. You know, the words, I know the words, the, the, the three most base elements of horror are fear, dread, and shock. Okay. So what do I mean by the elements of horror? How do we use them? Okay. Um, I, I say this all the time. Uh, these elements, horror, it's like bacon. Okay. We love putting bacon on just about everything. Why? Because it's freaking delicious. It adds that flavor, that little salty, meaty crispiness. Stuff it with jalapenos, stuff with bacon in it. I would oh, eat pretty much any animal. That, that's right. That's right. You know, throw it on some pizza, you know, wrap my filet mignon in it, you know, whatever. Put it on a donut even. Put it in all. I mean, it could be a quail or a lizard. You stuff it with jalapeno, wrap it in bacon. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Right? Okay. So fear, dread, and shock. These are the elements. So, all right. Fear. What is fear? I'm scared of something. 
Yeah, I'm, I was trying to think of like what the actual definition of fear is. Is like I'm, it's scary. You're scary. <laughs> it's it's something. It's something that that um, that that gives you a sense of um, of terror almost, where you're like, oh dang. I, I like, okay. So for me, and, and everyone knows the story, right? Like I, everyone knows I'm scared of sharks. Hence my shark quote. Hence your shark quote. Halloween episode for right? Steve. Steve hates sharks. I do. I hate them. They're stupid. So they're evil. So, you know. Tracks blood trail was lawful neutral. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> to you. One of Larry's role playing game characters. Fantastic character, actually. Okay. that That's what you're scared of. Okay. Dread being... The moment where you are anticipating a confrontation with said fear. Okay. I'm scared of sharks. So I'm being asked to go into a shark cage now. Well, I know I'm going to encounter some sharks there. You dread it. It's that feeling of upcoming, uh-oh. The panic. The panic that's settling in your stomach. That hollow feeling in your chest where you're like, like, like no amount of, no amount of anything is going to fill that hole with safety. Okay. And then shock when either you encounter something and it elicits that super strong emotion in you, uh, in the shark story, which you can go back and listen to that episode. It's our last Halloween episode, I believe, uh, from either like season one or three. Um, we've been doing a lot of episodes. (laughs) I know. Um, you know, the moment where I realize, uh, you know, that, that not all my body parts, all my limbs are inside the shark cage and there are sharks around them. Okay, that sh- that moment of panic and shock, that you know, it slaps you upside the face, and you're like, "Oh, to heck with this! I'm out of here." Yeah. Okay, and it elicits a little girl scream in you. Okay. These three elements, if you think, Larry, about all of the fiction that you've written, mm-hmm. and the fiction that you've enjoyed reading, or you know, or shows that you've watched, or whatever, whether we're talking about westerns, whether we're talking about science fiction. Uh, fantasy, straight up horror, which we both like, um, detective stuff. In all those stories, can you think of moments in those, in, in all those, those pieces of media where you go, yeah, yeah, there's fear, there's dread and there's shock in different forms in there. Yeah. I think, I think you're pretty spot on there because I've seen these elements in all these different genres and, um, I think they can be taken up and down in intensity. Exactly. And what you're trying to do, but those elements are there. Um, like, for example, Alien uh, was very much a horror movie. Oh, it's it's absolutely a horror movie. And, and think about your pattern. Okay, so you have the the moments of, of fear, you know, where something's like they're scared. And you have the fear, moments Fear, unease. Of, you know, you're like, what is this? Well, What's actually, going no, on? Most of the movie is dread. Oh, yeah. Like most of the movie is actually the dread portion where uh-huh. you know bad things are happening and they know bad things are happening and they don't know what to do. Then you have the moments of shock, those yep. payoff moments, the chest burster. Well, the, you know? the, 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 there's a few shocking moments, right? The I think one of the first truly shocking, shocking moments is the face hugger. Yep. And then the next shocking moment is acid. What? And then, of course, the infamous dinner scene. Okay. See, and so it's, it's it's so it's this pattern that repeats throughout the movie, yeah, but you think of but then the next movie is an action movie. It's not yeah. really a horror. Movie. It has has horror moments and elements. elements, absolutely. And so going back once again, so even though this is more of an action movie based upon the responses of the of the protagonists, you know, because they're a bunch of space marines instead of space truckers, but once again you had the same fear, dread, and shock. 
Um, probably more moments of shock than dread. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. it was more of an action movie, so there's more of that boom, boom, boom stuff's mm-hmm. happening. Something's jumping out, things pulling you through the floor, coming out of the ceilings, you know, but moments of shock. Yeah. But yeah, same thing, but totally two different genre movies. Right, right. So th- think about um, things like uh, Monster Hunter International. Oh yeah, I, I lean heavy into the horror movie you do. tropes. And not that I did this consciously, because I wrote this long before I knew you and I didn't really ever think of the elements of horror, but I definitely play off that. Especially in certain scenes of Monster Hunter National, like the Natchy Bottom scenes. Natchy Bottoms, yeah, yeah. That is a dread scene. Mm-hmm. It is a dread scene because I, I set the stage for, I pulled out every trick I had in my amateur writer handbook to establish dread. Yeah. There are bad things going down in mm-hmm. this place, right? And then you have moments of, uh, of fear. You know, they meet the Wendigo. Yeah. And then, and then I drop a horde of demons on them and we have shock. Well, okay. And then let's fast forward several novels. Okay. Let's go to Guardian. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. There's a lot of. Super horror tropes, but it's the, the, the same elements, fear, dread, and shock. But it is radically different. The way you employ them is radically different from that to to say how you how you employed it in in MHI the original. Well, because in Guardian, the the fear is a mother's fear. And dude, there is nothing like a mother's fear. Which is interesting because I found that the people who don't get Guardian are people who don't have kids. Yeah, I've seen reviews. I don't get it. Like, what, why? It's like, and everybody who's a parent is like, oh yeah, I'd burn the freaking world. Yeah, burn it down. Burn it down. And it's, it's interesting. And every time I see a review like that, I was like, you don't have kids, do you? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I hate kids. It's like, well, well this yeah. probably isn't, I, I can understand why. Because we're going from a point of view protagonist who is trying to rescue her kid from the forces of evil. Yeah. And the kid rough. has been taken. Yeah. Okay. This, kid has been this, taken. This, is, this is why the movie Taken, literally. Um, resonated with so many people oh. and put Liam Neeson back on the map. It actually had moments of fear and certainty of shock too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, l- let's not let's not pretend that the idea that the ideas of um, of sex trafficking and stuff aren't aren't freaking horror show. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's real life horror. It's awful. It's terrible, terrible horror. Yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, or, or uh, the old uh, the old Denzel classic, Man on Fire. Love that movie. Okay. Such a good movie. You know, again, the man who, uh, you know, he, his heart gets softened, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, someone gets through shell. Yeah. And then the person who did that gets taken from him. Yep. And it's oh, like, nope. <laughs> it's like, nope, we're done. That's, right? Yeah. And, and in that case, it's funny, right? Because he's chasing the monsters, but he is the monster. Oh yeah. He's the real, he's, he's a, the fear and certainty of drought in a lot of that movie uh, is, is, is the, is the bad guys. Is the, is the uh, being, Mexican uh, cartel uh, hitters and uh, yeah. human traffickers. They're being hunted. That he is just cutting a swath through. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? Yeah, it's a great movie. Okay. But let's take it back a notch. Okay. Um, I don't read these, I don't read these books, you don't read these books, but, um, uh, romance. Okay. Okay. Hallmark movies. Yeah. Hallmark movies. Okay. Okay. In a Hallmark movie, one of the, the typical, um, one of the typical themes or the typical tropes in the formula, um, is oftentimes the, the woman or guy 
who big city whatever like this this is the the trope right the big city who, I've I, I've who, seen because I have multiple daughters and a wife I've 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 caught bits and pieces of a great many of these yeah in the you've, background. you've you've caught you know <laughs> the you've caught the the moments of like several thousand movies but it all is one movie yes um but here's what it is um a girl or a guy who um was in a bad relationship um gets their heart broken and goes off to another place and so every time they meet this new supposed next mr and mrs perfect um they're terrified that that person is going to do the same thing to them that happened to them earlier fear dread and shock it's the same thing but on the dial if alien is an 11 this is a two it's the opposite side of the of the dial but it's the same concept larry it's exactly the same concept. So Hallmark movies are actually horror movies. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Alien is it's Aliens is just a Hallmark movie at eleven with more blood and guts. But so, so the so the shocks are are going to be they're different, right? Yeah. Right? Right? They're proportional to to the genre that you're writing, right? Right? And they hit different. And and I think that's what's so fascinating about the elements of horror, and that's why that's why I, I love I love talking about. It. I, everyone can obviously tell that I love talking about it. So horror, horror writing horror is one of Steve's fa- absolute favorite topics. It is, but how many horror novels have I written, Larry? None. None. <laughs> Zero. You have written thrillers that are. I've written techno thrillers. Um, and supernatural thrillers. Supernatural thrillers, techno thrillers, fantasy. Let's put it this way: If we were back in the 1980s, oh me, I, I'd be I'd be doing my best to you'd, uh, you'd be writing horror novels. Yeah, I'd be doing my best to like be in that that circle of freaking Robert McCann and Lansdale. If we were if we were if this is back in the days when Borders was still a thing, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, or Barnes and Noble or uh, uh, yeah, Walden's Walden's yeah. was still a thing. You'd be you would be writing stuff to be in the horror section, or yeah. your thrillers would get lumped in the horror section. Correct. But honestly, I feel like a lot of the stuff that was the horror section just it just subdivided. Moved. It did. It moved. It, it, it was like it was like cell division, and it, and it moved into different things. So it's like things that are actually like pure horror. There is an indie scene for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's an indie scene for everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, we know Michael Brent College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, He's a friend of the show. Great guy. And, yeah, uh, freaking awesome. And he does a lot of pure horror mm-hmm. and does and does rather well. Yeah. Great guy, great writer. Um, but yeah. It, it's, but he's it, also cultivated that audience over the past 15 years. Oh, he's done a really good job. In fact, he we I've advertised for his, uh, I, 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 uh, I promoted his uh, writer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lessons thing. They're mm-hmm. pretty good. Recommend it. Bestseller life. Look it up. It's good stuff. Yeah, he's great. Um, no, so um, it's interesting to me, though, how you can use these elements in all these different genres that we kind of like to So urban fantasy, obviously, is an offshoot of horror. Paranormal romance is an offshoot of horror. It is. These are all things that used to get like slumped into horror. Anne Rice was was horror back in the day, but now she would be considered yeah. paranormal it, romance. Yeah, in- Interview with the Vampire was, I mean, it is horror. Yeah, it was straight up. It was a horror. It was like sexy horror. Uh-huh. Which is a subgenre, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me that the books are that dead, yet the movies are still such a giant genre. Oh, it is really interesting, um, especially because I, I actually feel like there's been a resurgence in horror uh, in the in the form of cinema. Um, well, I you think you know me; I'm a horror movie dork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, you and I, we 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 often trade horror horror movies. Uh, recommendations. This is actually my favorite time of year on Amazon, on uh, Amazon Prime, because this is when all the low-budget horror movies of the year get dumped onto the market. Yeah. 
Well, and, and, you know, with the time being what it is, I'm like, I'm like, you know, um, I'm like, here we go. The cursed, uh, here we go. Uh, dog soldiers. Yes. Um, here we go. Blood vessel. Yes. You know, great movies. Um, but, but it's, it's really interesting. Right. Every one of those that you just listed follows the, uh, the, the elements of horror that you talked about, mm-hmm. but in different proportions, depending yes. on the type of movie they're trying to do. Yeah. 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 Obviously. I mean, Dog Soldiers has more of the military bent, well, but then, shock. but then a trapped room. So Definitely dog, shock up front. Yeah. So, so Dog Soldiers, like if you were to proportion these out, they don't have to be equal proportions. Dog Soldiers, shock, 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 shock. There's some dread. There's some fear. Oh, there's definitely dread, dread when they're in the cabin. Oh yeah. There's dread. Or in the fear. house. And there's fear, like they're running through the woods, uh-huh. but that's a shock movie. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And, uh. Cursed is, the cursed is more slow burn. Cursed is a lot of dread. And then, and then gosh dang, you know, the, the autopsy moment. Holy crap. Is so freaking moment. good. Guys, if you've not seen this movie, it's called The Curse. It's the not cursed. well known. It's, no, no, no. It, it takes place, uh, late 1800s. Yeah, it's a period piece. Um, France. Yeah, and it is weird. It's a weird it's, movie. Basically, it's kind of a sequel to the old Beast of Jevedon um, uh, myth. But dude. Well, not not even myth. It, it, that was actually a legit it historical event. It is a slow event. burn dread movie. But it's it, freaking it, awesome. It, it's got a lot of dread, got moments of fear. But then there is a shock moment in this movie that is a WTF. So good. You know, a lot of movies have werewolf transformations. This is one of my favorite ones. This is... This one is this is one is does not fit the normal pattern of werewolf transformations in movies. I still don't even quite understand it. I don't know mythologically what the hell they were going for, but I was. It's freaking rad. It was rad. Yeah, great movie. Um, and then you know, I, on on some of the streaming services, we we've been able to have such good, um, such good series that have come out. Um, I, I mentioned in uh, in our religion episode uh, earlier in the month the uh the show midnight mass or any of the things that flanagan has been putting together specifically midnight mass and and haunting at hill house Uh, and he's doing the fall of the house the usher which as of recording this hasn't come out yet which i'm really excited for or or a show like archive 81 which was also on on netflix which is excellent point is in in the idea of film and tv We've seen this hyper resurgence in it. I mean, heck, the the fourth season of Stranger Things is legit straight up horror. Yeah, it's freaking night. It's, it's Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's Carrie. We have deconstructed that quite a bit on the show, and both of us loved it. And we're super impressed. Super. By it. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, it's it's probably my favorite season. Like one and four, one and four, are my favorite seasons. It also hits your elements really hard and bounces between them, especially like the shock moments with the mm-hmm. uh, the running up that hill. So good. And, uh, and they, and they do it in a, it's horror, but it's, but it's heroic. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's everything that, that I think you and I love in a good horror story. Cause it's not victim fiction. Because I prefer, I prefer survivors to victims. Correct. Like personally. Yeah. Yeah, No. And and I do too. Um, Don't worry. You got to have a lot of victims to get up to the survivors. Sure. (laughs) You got to weed out the the sick of the weak. (laughs) Now here's the interesting thing about these elements. Um, fear, dread, and shock. Um, when I give these presentations, I tend to list them in that order because it's just easier to discuss that way. And when I tell my shark story, it, it progresses in that nature. And so it's easy as an example. However, um, the ideas of fear, dread, and shock, you can use them in various ways to accentuate the other, and they don't need to be done in order. Again, we, the thing, 
our, our, our favorite shows. Yeah. Right. We talked a little bit about this in the monster episode. Oh, it opened with shock. <clears throat> it opens with shock. Yeah. And then the shock sets up the fear and the dread. Yep. Okay. Because after that dog gets torched. You're like, what? <laughs> that when, movie when, is... when the dog sprouts 9 million tentacles yeah. and starts killing everything, you're just like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Yep. I don't know. Okay. One of the greatest movies ever made. One of my favorite movies ever. Um, so point is, these are the maze, these are the basic elements of horror. So we'll, we'll take a break and we come back. I want us to have this discussion in terms of how these elements, how we can use them uh, in places where we've seen them before, but how we can take them and use them in, in, in other genres and why we would use them in these other genres. Okay. We'll be right back. Uh, we'll try not to, you know, blabber too hard during the break. We'll be back. The war between Al Masia and the Empire of Colacolvia is in its hundredth year. Casualties grow on both sides as the conflict leaves no corner of the world untouched. Alarian Glaskov's quiet life on the fringes of the Empire is thrown into chaos when an impossible tragedy strikes his village. When he is conscripted into the Tsarist military, he is sent to serve in The Wall, an elite regiment that pilots suits of armors made from the husks of dead goblins. But the Great War is not the only, or even the worst, danger facing Alarian as he is caught in a millennia-old conflict between two goddesses. He must survive the ravages of trench warfare, horrific monsters from another world, and the treacherous internal politics of the country he serves. Servants of War, New Military Fantasy, by Master of Horror Steve Diamond and international bestseller Larry Correa. Available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. Alrighty, welcome back uh, to our lovely episode of the Rider Dojo, where we're talking about the elements of horror. Okay. So again, if the basic elements are fear, dread, and shock, uh, then we have to ask ourselves, why do we include those in all the other genres? You know, I said, you know, the the the, the pithy quote is, ah, it's like bacon; it makes everything better, which it does. Um. But the real, like the, the real answer here, I think, and this, and this is my opinion, although, uh, I mean, I've used this a gajillion times. And I've seen other authors use it a gajillion times. It raises the stakes. If, if a character that you're writing as an author fears something. And to be clear, when I, when I prep stories, um, general character creation, so to speak, is like, oh, okay, well, what's this character good at? What are they bad at? Um, who are their enemies? Who are their friends? Blah, blah, blah. Right. For me, I also always include what do they fear? Um, and in some stories you're going to like, you're going to like stab that. You're going to press that button like in cabin in the woods with the ding. You're just going to, you're just going to mash that button as hard as you can. And in other stories, you're just going to be like, oh, you know, not, not as much. You're going to tease the button. We'll tease the button. Right. Um, so, so, you know, as you are writing these characters and you're like, okay, I've decided, you know, we've decided that this character fears X. Someone was writing a book about Steve Diamond, a character, the character Steve Diamond. It's like, sharks. oh, well, he fears sharks. He fears sharks. So you as the writer, what is, it, what is the very first thing you want to do to that character? You want to tease a shark. You want to tease a shark. And eventually you want to put him in a scene where he has to confront that somehow. Maybe it's a Sharknado. I don't know. But it's there. 
Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Am I making sense? It does. Um, would you put that as one of the elements of horror? Do you think about like the in-between parts as staging? Like, like setting it up? Yeah. Like, like, so you have like a setup stage to, to like an establishment stage before you get into yeah. why they should be afraid or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it always depends on the story, right? Um, because like the, for, for, okay. Go, going back to our, our example, like alien versus the thing. Okay. Alien starts with the fear and the dread to set you up for the shock. The thing, um, starts with the shock to set you up for the fear and the dread, right? So it depends on the mechanism. It depends on what you want to get out of it, right? Uh, in, in residue, um, my, my supernatural thriller is totally not a horror novel, I swear. Um, I use comedy to make the horror worse in it. So most people, um, a, a lot of times when you're, when you're using horror and humor together, you're, you use the humor to kind of cut the tension a little bit, right? We see it all the time. Um, like like, a, like in, the, in the movie Get Out. Humor is often used in that movie to kind of like cut your tension a little bit, right? Um, or, or like Shaun of the Dead or, or whatever, right? Yeah, because it actually turned into an actual horror movie right at the very end. Yeah, it's, it's a horror movie for, for, for parts of it, but... Yeah, for about 10 gen- minutes at the end, yeah, it but, actually but, you turns know, into a real horror movie. But, but then at the very end... They go back to the humor yep. to, to remind you. It's like, this is, the elements of horror here are, are just that. This is, this is actually a comedy, right? There's a scene in Residue where um, the main character, Jack, um, he's basically kind of like, he, he's had a real bad time and he's at his house and the other main character, the chick, Alex, comes over and she's like, here. And she hands him a big old stack of papers and he looks at it and he's like, oh, these are all of the, the college assignments I've missed. And they're all filled out in my handwriting. What? And she's like, eh, don't ask too many questions. Plausible deniability. It, it's, it's this kind of like fun light back and forth. Right. And he's like, well, Hey, look, I appreciate it. Why are you over here again? And she's like, oh uh, yeah, we just, there's a, there's a, apparently there's another victim. It might be related. Um, I want us to go over and check it out. He's like, oh, okay, well, sure, whatever. He's feeling better about himself. He says, well, where is it? As soon as she reads the address, he knows the person's house it is, and it's his friend. So the humor sets you up, as you said, it stages you for getting punched in the gut. Yeah. And it sets you as the reader up, and it sets the character up. Because like we've talked on the show before about the whole tension up, down, up, down. Yeah. Whereas if you just keep the tension it constantly it can't ratcheted, o- Yeah, it can't always be up. The audience, the people reading the book, get worn out, mm-hmm. and uh, like the old Michael Bay endless explosions, you get bored. Sure, of sure, sure, yeah. Because you can't keep it ramped. So I think I think what you're saying it makes perfect sense to me. It's the uh, you got to you got to you got to back up so you can swing. Uh huh. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, um, Jason isn't chasing you, running after you. He's walking after you. You know. He, he needs to take time to wind up with that axe, baby, or with that machete. Or to pick you up in your sleeping bag and bang you against a tree. Right. You know, he's, you know. I've watched every one of those. Yeah. They're, they're mostly bad. Um, <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're mostly awful, let's yeah, be honest. They're right. horrible. Um, so it, it is interesting, though, right? Like, 
like when I'm when I'm writing horror stuff, um, and I, I like I just wrote this this uh, I just wrote this short story. Um, it's called uh, Thirteen Stories of Ho- the well the the anthology is Thirteen Stories of Horror, I think is what it was called. Um, it came out on Friday the Thirteenth in October. Oh, cool. And so that's the whole theme of the anthology is like Curse Day, Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, so I wrote a story about a girl named Friday, Friday Black, and she lives in a she lives in a in a graveyard because her family owned is was the grave or the 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 keepers of the of the cemetery, but they were killed, um, and so she's keeping it. And she that's what she does. She hunts down monsters. She kills things as they come out of the ground and ghouls and stuff. Right. So it's there. There's moments of oh crap, this is horror. And then there's moments like her friend comes over in a bright pink Mini Cooper. And it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny. But her comment is, man, I hate that car. You know, so you're, you can't always have it, you know, above your head horror all the time. Otherwise, like you said, people get exhausted. Think about Servants of War when we wrote that. Um, Act two is trench warfare. Um, if we would have just spent every waking minute in the trenches, no. man, it would have lost. Its, not only would it have been exhausting, it would have lost the the actual punches, the moments of shock and horror, would have lost their effectiveness. We had to back off and take them away from the front at times. That's where we created that little staging area with mm-hmm. the, where they could drink. Yeah, the boom town, basically. The boom town. Yeah. yeah. So basically, we created the boom town so we could back up. Mm-hmm. And and think about the scenes that are in there. We have we have tattoo scene which um which will hit you with a different sort of fear and dread and interestingness because the gods are interested yeah and then you have uh you know uh right before that scene you have the moments of hey we're camaraderie we're in a bar drinking together it's fun and then you have um after alarian sees some seriously awful horrible crap he goes into a bar and it's an entirely different type of scene it's it's him dealing with loss and then you have, um, and you know, it, we set it up really interestingly in terms of the weather. It's rain, it's rain, it's rain. And how the weather is impacting them yeah, violently. But the rain is actually good for them because it buys them time to not have to fight. And so what happens as soon as we, as soon as the characters say the rain stopped. This is dread. Dread. Yeah, because they know exactly what's up next. And the reader knows exactly. It's a time bomb, right? Everyone, the readers, everyone knows what's coming next. And they know that it's going to be really bad. They just don't know how bad. And it's really bad. You know, it's interesting because you talk about this. And I think this is something that a lot of people who, who write these kind of stories will do. If they do it well, a lot of times it's instinctive. And in that they didn't really think this through. Oh, for me, for me, like, like how you mentioned with Monster Hunter International. For me, when I wrote Residue, this was all... I see yeah. my pants and stitch. You really thought it through. No. You just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking because there's so many low budget horror movies. You know how many I, I, I've watched. Dude, you're a freaking you're a freaking connoisseur of guys. Low I horror. can't I can't overstate this enough. I have watched probably a thousand low budget horror movies. At least. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not like I mean I love them and I think they're stupid and I put them on the background and I love them. But the, I've seen so many that I can tell. Exactly. Like I am rarely, rarely, rarely surprised, but I have it down to like the absolute form. You talk about the Hallmark movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing. B-, B movie horror is the same thing. That said, the guys that are like, even there's Amateur Hour, you know, they made this movie for 400 bucks, right? Yeah. And they bought pizza for the cast is how they got paid, uh-huh. right? 
you can tell the ones that have like some instinctual skill in this because they will follow certain patterns that actually do match up with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And whichever one they accentuate the most depends on the kind of story they're kind of tell. Um, because obviously if it's like, if it's a splatter fest, you know, Roger Corman style. That's all different game. And you might be wondering why it is that, uh, we faded out there for a second. And now that we're back, maybe the sounds of our voices are a smidge different. That's because uh, this is about two weeks later from yeah. when we recorded. Uh -huh. Because we, it turns out when we sent this over to producer Jack, there was some technical difficulties with the recording. And so we lost the last uh, like, end of that episode. Yeah, it was like 15 or 20 minutes that we lost on that episode. So um, if you're hearing this part of the, of the recording, that means that... Uh, We've, we've, we're just trying to pick up where we left off. Also, so that way guys, if we repeat ourselves from something we said earlier in the episode, don't hold it against us. Yeah. That was a couple of weeks ago for us. It seems like mere moments for you. Yes. Yes. Mere seconds. Okay. So, um, before we were grossly interrupted by a, um, memory card fail, uh, we were talking about Larry being the connoisseur of B movies. Uh, especially B horror movies and how for, for you, Larry, and for me, but when we both first started doing this, a lot of the, I, I'd say our instinctual grasp of how horror can work in fiction. Um, well, it was just that it was instinctual for us. We didn't really quite realize what we were doing, but, um, as time has gone on. And if, and of course, I mean, you and I've had this conversation probably freaking a hundred times. But, um, time has gone on and, and we've, we've really kind of seen how these elements, the fear, the dread, the shock, how good writers, especially in film and in fiction, how they're able to take those elements and integrate them into pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. And so last time we actually had some really good examples and I'm sure we're going to forget them now. Yeah. But um, we talked about how we could introduce these in other genres. And we talked already about Servants of War, mm -hmm. and um, you know, which is a little bit different genre, but how we got those in there. But um, how you can get this fear, shock, dread uh, in crime stories. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, Westerns. Mm -hmm. we, uh, science fiction. For sure, easy. Sometimes it doesn't even cross the line into horror. I mean, obviously, like Event Horizon, that's a horror. That's totally different. Horror story. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, you can have these elements. Um, so you don't have to go full horror story, but you can have the horror elements to beef up your other genres. Yeah. At the top of the episode, we talked, uh, you know, I brought up the, the whole Hallmark movie example where, you know, the fear and the dread and the shock can be dialed down to like a one or a two on the dial, but they're still there. And, and I think what it does, Larry, is it, by having those elements in, it creates a like a common touch point for the watcher or the or the reader to what those characters are doing. Yeah. So if like we're talking about horror stories, the fear is dismemberment or death sure. or something worse than death mm -hmm. or, or or you know, suffering and pain or losing your family. Whereas if you're doing a romantic comedy, the fear is going to be, oh, I'm not accepted by the cool kids in high school. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm the nerd. Whatever it may be, you know, um, and the shock could be entirely different. Like, you know, I, high school story is Carrie with the pig blood. Obviously, that's a moment of shock. Right. 
Um, but if you have a different kind of high school, if it's high school musical, the moment of shock is good. I don't know. I never, I never watched it, but don't lie to me. <laughs> actually, I, I swear I have not uh, seen high school musical. Uh, <laughs> it was filmed in Utah. Yeah. Zach Efron, baby. I've driven past that high school. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, when you think about, okay, well, well okay, well, let's talk about Stranger Things really quick. Oh yeah. We talked okay. about that before. I think, cause that was like a master class in, uh, actually we talked about that one specific episode, the running up the hill. Oh, from season four? Sequence. Yeah. 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 But let's go, let's take it further back. Okay. Back to season one, back when, when all those kids were, were little tiny versions of themselves. Um, a lot of what they, a lot of the fear and a lot of the dread and a lot of the shock they were feeling didn't really have to do with, with the supernatural part of it. A lot of it was those, those four kids, the four main kids, they're outcasts. Yeah. It was the awkward teenage mm-hmm. stuff is what they, what they feared. Yeah. It, it's almost Until that. the real fear came along. Right. And they cranked the knob up. Well, yeah. It, it's that whole kind of kids on bikes subgenre, kind of your ETs, which they, they obviously pair the pretty goonies. hard. The Goonies. Um, and then in literature, yeah, and in literature, you've got, you've got things like Boy's Life by McCammon or Summer of Night by, by, um, Dan Simmons or even It by Stephen King. Well, you can't, well, yeah. Minus a couple scenes. Minus a couple. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about those scenes. No. No, we don't want to get demonetized. No. Yeah. But. <laughs> I've already made my opinion known. Yeah. But my, my point is that whole kind of subgenre of of kids going through there where the supernatural part, yes, that is part of the story. And that is part of the fear and the dread and the shock that they're feeling. But coupled with that is the very real sense of, um, these kids are outcasts. You know, they're, they're not, they're not looked at. I mean, shoot, that's a, that's a huge factor in season four of stranger things where the character Lucas starts becoming accepted quote unquote. You know, he's on the basketball team, even yeah. though he's kind of riding the pine until his heroic moment. But, you know, he's trying so hard. He's struggling so hard to, to fit in. I actually really liked Lucas's story in, in that season four. Um, but as you can see, there's, there's so many ways you can, you can mess with the knob, so to speak, on, on cranking up these elements that we're talking about. Okay. Science fiction. Okay. Science fiction, I think, is one of the easiest genres to instill horror into. Oh, yeah. Um, the uncertainty and, and the unknown, where you have that element of... And if actually you look at classic sci-fi of um, the 50s, and it was actually really interesting because they shared a lot of the same exact tropes between the horror and the sci-fi. And the books, in literature, not as much as movies, because literature tended to be more... Uh, as we said, that era, the, the competency porn. Yeah. You know? oh, well, yeah. And it, and it's, it, you know, it's the idea of look how, look how good we can be in the future. Yeah. There's a lot of that, but, but, but the elements are there of that uncertainty and the dread of like, we don't know what's coming. There's, there's a whole subset of sci-fi, especially hard sci-fi where it's like the mystery sci-fi. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's an unknown phenomena. And I, th- I don't know if we talked about already on this episode or we talked about where we got kind of the sphere. Oh, no. No, Am we I... didn't talk about it in this oh, episode. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's one of those books and movies where the whole front chunk of that, of that story is really interesting and cool. It's because, brilliant. Because it's, it, like you said, it's the unknown. It's the mystery. 
It's that uncertainty. It's that dread. Well, leading it, up to moments of shock. Yeah, shock, and and of course, there's the the sense of um, of isolation and confinement that they have because they're in that underwater. And then um, they stuck station. the dumbest ending in the oh. history of books onto there. It was so, so stupid. Dumb. It was the uh, if, if if you're old enough, you know it's about the the um, uh, Bobby's in the shower. Was it Bobby or whoever the you remember uh, Dallas or the whole season? Who shot? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, Bob, that was, uh, was that was I don't remember his name. That was Dallas. Yeah, it was Dallas. That was the so they they erased a whole season of this 1980s TV show. The whole big murder mystery was who shot this one guy, but then at the end it was all a dream. Like the, like the whole twenty four episode season was a dream, and he, like the his wife woke up and he was alive in the shower, right? Uh, Spheres kind of like the ending. Spheres of that. that it's we're gonna hold hands with this godlike power and pretend it never happened, and and so none of the bad things happened, and everything went back to the way it was. There are only two books that I've thrown across the room upon finish, Larry. That was one of them. Now that said, the beginning of that book though goes along really well with what we're saying about it using is. the elements of horror and other mm-hmm. genres. Uh, and it did a fantastic, fantastic job of that. Yeah. I, you know, between things like the beginning of that or of course, Alien, right? I mean, it kind of set the standard, in my opinion, for modern science fiction horror crossover. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course there are the older movies, you know, like, um, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and they're here and stuff like that. But, um, but for me, for me, it starts with Alien and it starts with the th- with the thing, um, but I-, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, Larry, and that's those elements of, um, especially the elements of fear, and then and then really really heavy on the dread, the yeah. uncertainty of what's it's, coming. It, it, it adds a sense of urgent urgent mystery, and it's really interesting. And if we go straight up horror. That mystery goes to helplessness, but if you're going a different genre, it can go all sorts of different directions. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alien works so well because, because Ripley is an active participant in, in the solution. Yeah. Right? She, she's, she's not, not she's along not, for the ride. Yeah. She's not curling up in a corner. No. Right? Um, whereas other science fiction horror that I've seen, it's just reactionary the whole time. And they just sit there and wait for some, you know, it's victim fiction. Yeah. Um, no, okay. no. The good fiction is where they take a pulse rifle and they tape it to a flamethrower <laughs> and they, and they go get the, you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, it's, it's her at the end of alien moving quietly to, to make her way little by little. And she's, she's, it, that scene is really, really interesting from a lot of perspectives. Because one, she's being really quiet. Two, she's basically in her underwear, and 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 I and I'm not bringing that up because you know in the sexy way. No, it's she's literally they've literally stripped her down so she is as vulnerable as she can possibly be at that moment. But she doesn't hide. She walks like super quietly over and stuff, and then starts venting the 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 ship. Right? She's active in it, and I think that's really interesting. Now. Sci-fi again. I think it's super easy. I think it's really easy. Elements of horror and fantasy is just fantasy. Yeah, baby. Dude, that's like that's like peanut butter and chocolate, man. Those two, especially when we've talked about sword and sorcery on the show, and we had like yes. with Howard Andrew Jones and horror elements and that fear and that dread and that shock. Oh my gosh, it goes with fantasy so well. I mean, even some of the biggest works of fantasy. 
Uh, we, we've talked a lot of we we we're both you know we're Terry Brooks fans, but we talk about Elfstone's a Shannara straight up yeah. has hell of uh, uh, the horror, Reaper, the Reaper horror <laughs> horror implements. There there are also uh, well, I mean people remember the Rift War saga. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Feist. Feist. There was straight up um, zombie battle in there. You know, like out of nowhere, like people start coming back to life and have a zombie fight. Uh, I mean, there are all these different ways to get these dark elements of horror into your other genres, even if that genre isn't horror. And uh, I think if we go through, we'll find there's a ton of good examples of that in fantasy. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, we've, we've already talked about servants of war on this, sh- uh, on this episode, but I mean, our, the implementation of horror in that is overt. Like that was intentional. That was overt. That was the goal. Um, on my side anyway. Um, and, and when you pair that with, with other stuff, with other elements that are outside of horror within there, it, it, it serves as a nice contrast. You start, you fear for the characters in more, more than it's like, boy, I hope that character doesn't die. You fear for them in terms of what, like, how's their family going to be? You know, things like that. Um, or it, it, is their sanity okay? Um, you know. In horror, the the worst thing isn't death. Um, that's often the that's often the, the the quick escape route. Yeah. Right. Um. Okay. Fantasy. Look, I mean, you guys, we 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 talk about how we implement horror horror elements into fantasy all the freaking time. Um. I mean, you do it in in Saga: The Forgotten Warrior, obviously. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously, and then obviously with with servants of war and stuff. Um, what I find interesting, though, is is on the dial. Um, the the I, I was having a conversation about this with with Howard Andrew Jones the other day, actually, um, and it was the comparison of, um, say, like a Brandon Sanderson, um, the stuff that he writes versus sword and sorcery. What 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 notionally what servants of war kind of is it's a progressed sword and sorcery world and stuff that howard obviously writes and what we were saying is that because brandon has scientified his magic to such a degree it has it has removed a lot of emphasis on on some character and and it has removed that that potential sense of horror from it and I, and I'm not saying this in a negative way because Brandon's done a freaking awesome job at what no, he does. No, it's just the methodology of yeah. his particular brand of storytelling, right? Where you contrast that, yeah, with there's not a right or wrong. No, it's just how you do it. You contrast that with with how we approach servants or how Howard approaches, um, well, Howard Andrew Jones and Robert E. Howard Howards, mm-hmm. how they how they the appro- Howards the Howards, um, how they've approached magic, where it's this. It's this thing to be cautious of. It's a little shifty. It's playing with fire. Yeah. Like in Monster Hunter, magic is almost always used by the bad guys. Right. Rarely by the good guys. And and what that does is it puts your characters at odds with the magic. And when they do, you fear, when they do have the magic um, connection, you fear what it's going to do to them. Um, and the characters come to dread their long-term exposure to it. So it's just very different, right? Yeah, like I went real mechanical, scientific, and hard magic. Yeah. 
because that was, but, but it also was the 1930s. So it was the age of this age of science, age yeah. of reason, you know, art deco. We're going to figure everything out. Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's, let's talk, let's talk real quick about Westerns. Um, I, I think Western actually ends up having a lot of the same stuff that you see. Well, we were talked about with the, um, with science fiction. Well, the isolation. Isolation, being on the edge of the unknown. Yeah. Edge or of, in the unknown. Edge of the world, basically. It's like civilization is behind you. Mm-hmm. Or civilization is tenuous. Um, um, like, like what civilization you have is what you've built by the strength of your own hands. And these are all elements, common elements in Westerns. Um, and there is that fear of the unknown. I mean, Louis Lamore loved that stuff. I mean, yeah. I, and we knew, you guys know I'm a huge fan of his books. But... It's, it's honestly, it's a continuous trope that you see in Westerns where it's the unknown and there's the element of dread. And it could be a lot of stuff too, because the dread could even come from stuff like bears, wolves, the weather, <laughs> the blizzard, oh, man. the desert, the, you know, running out no, of water. No, no, that, that's a really good point, Larry, because. Well, it's environmental, environmental horror. In the environment, the environment mm-hmm. plays a massive, massive piece into what can create tension and, and dread and stuff within your fiction. I mean, we talked about that with, with servants, but I mean, with Westerns, holy crap, dude. I mean, you're out there, you're, you're running out of, you're running out of freaking water. Yeah. You're running out of food. Because anybody who knows anything about the history of that era knows that it was, it was hard. It was yeah. rough. I mean, you were, people died young all the time from all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was all that, there was dread. It was, it was very common. And so you can definitely load up a Western with that, with, with the same horror elements without going horror. And I'm not even talking weird West. I'm talking regular Westerns. Oh yeah. The, the one book that I always bring up in this context is Joe Lansdale's The Thicket, which there's, there's absolutely zero supernatural in it. It's about, a, it's a story about a, a, a kid whose sister is kidnapped and he goes on an adventure to, to basically rescue her. Man, and there are some aspects of it, especially towards the latter uh, chunk of the book, the latter quarter of the book, where it's straight up horror, but there's nothing supernatural about it um, because it's horror is a very, horror can be a very personal thing. So look, I, I hope what you guys are seeing is that it doesn't matter the genre. The, the genre is irrelevant here. The elements of fear, dread, and shock and using them in whatever order you need to, to create the, the best, you know, the, the best recipe, so to speak. All it does is it ups the stakes for, for your characters. Yeah. If you don't have, if the characters aren't scared of something, then what's the reader worried about? Right. No, that's, that's it. Exactly. Now, the one last point I want to make before we, before we cut out, um, is, when you decide that you want to to implement these elements, especially the first one being the fear, because in my opinion, that's kind of the building block for all of this. You need to make sure that the fear you're choosing um, isn't so specific that it that it makes it unrelatable. So you know, it's if your character is scared of of vinyl records, for some reason, it's going to be very hard for the, for the readers in mass to, to kind of have that emotional commonality with that person. It's not relatable. It isn't. 
which is why you see so many um, so many good horror stories are are isolationist stories, um, unknown, um, loss of someone or something important, and if you're the dark, for example, all of those things are very very like ingrained deep within us as visceral. humans. Very visceral, very base. All human beings have a shudder reaction when they hear the nails on chalkboard because it's close to claws. Yeah. It's claws on rocks. And and so by, if you decide you want to turn up your your, your fear, dread, and shock knobs on your, on your horror amplifier for your story, make sure that you're using fears that the more people can associate with and the more people can find in common, the better. All right. That's all the time we have for you today. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this this fun little Halloween episode. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably do Halloween episodes every year because I can't help myself. Um, but, uh, again, this the most of this episode, this came, the genesis of this was a presentation that I've given at a couple cons now. So um, if it's a, hopefully... I can give this a few more other times at other conventions or even at some of the same ones and, and refine a little bit. If you go there, if you're at those conventions and I'm there and I'm giving this presentation, come on in. It'll, it'll be a fun time. I even have like visual aids and stuff that make it a little bit easier. But uh, thank you all again. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Writer Dojo. Happy Halloween. And we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Stuff it with jalapenos, wrap bacon in it, I will oh. eat pretty much any animal. <laughs>